Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Shays. Here's the jump hook. Is good. Sykes has it. Half-court need for the win. He got it! Baked it in for the win! And now we've got a battle. Kareem against Shays. Doug Moe trying to get his players back. They don't want a technical foul. They're still in a, in a lock here. Kareem has got a headlock on Shays. This is Shays and Higgins. Shays and Higgins welcoming you in on a Tuesday. President's it's a little bit of a short week, but my goodness. Brian Higgins, Danny Shays with you. Uh, Danny, a lot has happened uh, since we were last here on Friday. It's not that long ago, but it feels like many things have happened. The men have played approximately like 15 basketball games, I think, in the last uh, few days. Uh, the women for Syracuse statistically had the worst week in the entire history of the program. And uh, you were at uh, one of the all-timer basketball events this weekend with the NBA 75th anniversary uh, celebration. Uh, Danny, uh, we'll get into the Q's hoops and all that and plenty of time to break that down and another game tomorrow. But uh, that event just kind of peering in from the outside and you, you sent me a few pictures and stuff over the weekend. Uh, basically, everything you got to do this weekend looked to be pretty cool. Well, what was so cool about it was just kind of the you know the fraternity, the brotherhood, back to literally the beginning of time, right? <laughs> we had some of the pioneer stars, uh, Bob Pettit, ninety years old, uh, about to turn ninety, uh, you know, kind of leading the way. Kareem Jabbar at seventy-five, you know, the guys who were the, you know, really you know the pioneer guys. But, you know, Dave Bing, uh, original Syracuse, the original Syracuse star. Uh, was there as a top 75 all the way to Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo and I got to hang out and spend some time. And uh, so, I mean, just kind of that coming together of the complete history of the game is something that, that was really so special about it. And, uh, you know, only happened, that only happens every 25 years. So that's, uh, uh, you know, that's pretty cool. And, you know, really the, the pioneer guys are like World War II veterans, right? Little by little, mm -hmm. uh, you know, those guys uh, 75 years ago, right? They're in their 90s now, some of them. So Bob Cousy uh, didn't make it, but still kicking it, I think, 92. Uh, Bill Russell, same thing, you know, late 80s now, uh, you know, a little bit frailer in his health. So uh, so it's, uh, you know, it was really quite the extraordinary thing to have all those guys in one spot. We'll be talking uh, in a half hour to Archie Clark. He was a multiple-time All-Star from kind of that era. He played in the mid-60s to the mid-70s. Uh, uh, not one of the 75 guys, but a pretty darn good player in his day, and he's one of the co-founders of the NBA Retired Players Association. Uh, so he's very important in uh, getting guys like that together. We'll talk to him at, at 3.30. And... You know, just kind of watching the way the generations interact with each other is pretty cool. Uh, Shaq had a, a legitimate, it was like a five-minute monologue on uh, TNT and TBS's show over the weekend about how important some of those guys were to getting him where he was. Uh, Charles Barkley was uh, going through that. And kind of all those guys, uh, you saw the different generations talking to each other is pretty cool. Well, and you look at a guy like Shaq, a guy like Charles Barkley, with all their bombast and, you know, out there personality, humbled by being in the presence of the guys who came before them and defined the game, right? Uh, you know, being in the same photo, uh, Allen Iverson, uh, you know, Dave Bing, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, just having that level of, uh, you know, incredible you know, historical uh, significance of, in the guard play, right? The the, the centers who mm -hmm. were there introduced, you know, from, from, you know, Bill Walton, Kareem, and on and on, from Shaq, Hakeem, Elijah Wan. Uh, you know, just like I said, having all that history in, in one space is, it was pretty remarkable. 
Uh, yeah, that, that event at halftime, obviously it's an all-star gaming event at halftime as long as you darn feel like. So uh, doing that uh, was pretty cool. I, I was disappointed. I mean, we were talking about the one disappointment was I didn't get to see Danny do the Queen Elizabeth's wave. I saw a nice picture of your dad, but uh, we didn't get to see Danny uh, doing his wave to the crowd. So uh, personally, personally, that, that is my one disappointment of what we saw this weekend. Exactly. We actually did a, a family's presentation. So I was there with George Mikan's son, Bill Sharman's son, uh, Vanessa Bryant was there and others. Uh, they did that during the third quarter timeouts. So I don't know that that I don't think that made the actual broadcast, uh, but I do. I did make the Jumbotron. Right. So that's a, that's pretty big. Yeah. time. Uh, and, and Brian, the other real fun part about it is I get to I get I got to give Akeem Elijah on another forearm. Uh, going down the back hallway and a quick box out before uh, he went out. And uh, he and I were joking around. We had some fierce battles over the years. And, uh, and I told him I still had a couple of those big forearms ready for him. So he, <laughs> he said he was still hurting from the last one I gave him, the 99. So, uh, but, you know, Patrick Ewing was there. You know, Pat and I got to, you know, hoot and holler around a little bit. You know, it's, it's funny how the, the Georgetown guys, we actually talk now. We're back in the day. That would have been forbidden, you know, especially from the John Thompson side. And, uh, you know, it, it's just really amazing how kind of that, you know, that uh, historical perspective is so much different, you know, right now. Yeah, it, it was fun watching it. Like some of those guys, I, I remember Hakeem's walking out there, and I'm like, I bet Hakeem could do 10 minutes uh, still. Then you see the Admiral walk out, and I'm like, I think David Robinson could still start and, and put in like 40 minutes going up and down the court. Like, you might want to steer clear of him with, with the forearms because, I mean, he still looks like he just came out of the Navy. It's unbelievable. Exactly. Some of the, uh, you know, and some of the guys we used to battle against, you know, now we laugh about it. Back then, obviously, it was serious business. But uh, uh, as a matter of fact, the, you know, the, the opening clip of Kareem and I getting into the, uh, you know, the headlock fight during the playoffs, uh, you know, we were joking about that the, uh, uh, the other day, too. So he's got a 75th birthday coming up. So he's planning the big celebration in April. Uh, you know, a guy who's meant so much to the game, not just as the highest scoring player in history and a great champion, but also, uh, you know, in, in uh, the social aspect, you know, being in the 60s when you had to be a huge star to be able to open your mouth without, you know, serious repercussions, right? It took a Bill Russell, a Kareem Jabbar, a Jim Brown in football, uh, you know, to be able to make the change. And those guys stood up at a time where it wasn't easy to stand up. So not only were they, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, looking back, uh, Oscar Robertson, who started the act, the active union, and with Archie, the retired union, uh, who've done met so much to their, you know, as far as the give back to the players. Uh, you have to remember that, uh, you know, in those earlier eras, up until 20 years ago, even you know from my era, uh, and on, guys didn't make the NBA money, right? Be played because you love the game. And, uh, you know, my dad's era, you know, those guys had to work in the summer. Most guys didn't have long careers because they you know, got married and had kids and they couldn't afford it, you know, on an MBA salary. Uh, so a lot of them got jobs. They were an insurance agent or sold cars or, you know, my, my dad actually bought rental units uh, to supplement his income. You know, never made 20000 a year as a 12-time All-Star. So, uh, you know, those, the, up until, and even in my era, it was nest egg money, but not, you know, can't screw it up money. Uh, so, you know, those guys really needed support after college. You were kind of unemployable out of the workforce and you're in your 30s with never having started. Uh, so people don't realize just the, you know, the real price, the life price you paid 
uh, for being a pro athlete. You didn't have trainers and chiropractors and acupuncture and all massage therapists back in the day. Guys played and got beat up and and uh, you know paid the price for it. So it's uh, you know when you look at when talk later a guy like Archie Clark who was uh, you know not only a great player, all star player, but also meant so much to the game and through the history. Uh, you know it's it, you know seeing all these guys throughout that spectrum of the recently retired and still there's still some active guys clearly you know LeBron and Giannis and you know the guys who are still playing James Harden and then like I said the Bob Pettit's uh, nearing 90 uh, who were there at the beginning you know there's there's such a range that uh, it's really interesting to you know to see that whole spectrum from the beginning of the league. Danny, I want to play this clip for you. Um, my guy, John Nolan, he's a Syracuse guy from, I don't know, a decade ago now. He's uh, the play-by-play guy for the Fort Wayne Tim Caps, which is a uh, minor league baseball team in Fort Wayne. The Pistons are now in Detroit. Many, many moons ago, they were the Fort Wayne Zollander Pistons at the birth of the league. And that was the place that hosted, going way, 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 way back, the 1953 NBA All-Star Game, just the third ever All-Star Game. We're sitting here at NBA 75. That was NBA uh, 3, anyway, when it came to the uh, All-Star Game. You talk about World War II era and all that. Uh, this basically was a newsreel uh, from back in the day, and uh, a couple of famous names from the uh, NBA 75 team uh, did make an appearance. Fort Wayne's new Memorial Coliseum, East and West, clash in the third annual All-Star Basketball Game. West 6'10", George Mikan misses on a basket, and teammate Vern Mickelson makes the score. Now it's East's ball. East has won two previous national titles and is winning now. McCauley misses, but Shays is right there to rack up the basket. 10,000 see West take the ball, and it's a beauty by Bob Wanzer as West makes a fighting bid to upset Eastern domination on the court. West is moving up the scoreboard. Watch this razzle-dazzle involving George Mikan, number 99. It leads up to a basket by Mikan, who's voted the All-Star's most valuable player. I uh, said so the only thing, Danny, that missing was a, a push for war bonds and, and telling people about victory gardens, I, I think. But uh, uh, your dad was hitting the <laughs> offensive glass. Uh, George Mikan, who's uh, regarded as, you know, the best player uh, of that era, is uh, the fittingly the, the MVP. It's, it's kind of cool. There, there was, if you want to go search that out uh, online and whatnot, there's video and stuff to go uh, along with it, shot by uh, some grainy video camera uh, somewhere in the rafters. In Fort Wayne, but it's pretty cool. Like that, that's going back to 1953, and completely different what you were at this weekend. But that was the exact same events, that thing, and what you saw on Sunday. Well, some quickie all-star history, Brian. The first all-star game was 51. As you know, they officially say the league was founded in 46. Uh, I think really 49 when the National Basketball Association was coined. It was the BAA, the Basketball Association of America, and the NBL, the National Basketball League, until 49 when they merged. But the first All-Star game was in 51. It was held in Boston because the owner of the Celtics at the time was the only one wealthy enough to absorb a loss if it bombed. Nobody knew if anyone was going to come. So he volunteered to host it because, like I said, he could afford a loss. And they have stories of him and the commissioner, Maurice Podoloff, actually standing at the turnstiles counting people as they came in. And when they hit a certain number, they go, okay, we broke even. Then they could go enjoy the game. That's how fledgling it was back in the day. And for my dad's 80th birthday, the league sent a highlight reel. And it was Marty Glickman, right, the famous voice uh, uh, back then, doing the, con- the old Converse movie reel. Again, you, you older people would maybe remember some of those. And he goes, here we are at the Boston Garden, the opening tip, Koozie Deshaies, and he scores. And we went, wait a second, was that the first basket 
in NBA All-Star history. And I went to my dad. I said, I think he scored the first basket in All-Star history. He goes, no, what are you talking about? I actually had to show him the real. He didn't even know. The league didn't <laughs> never put it together. And uh, so that's how we found out he actually scored the first basket in All-Star history. And uh, that year was 2011. The All-Star, it was the 60th All-Star game in L.A. And they showed the clip and my dad got a nice ovation. It was an awesome moment for him. <laughs> but literally, that's how we the league found out that he had scored the first basket in All-Star history. Okay, that's pretty cool. So that, that's going way back to 51. Then uh, you're there all weekend long this, uh, this weekend. You get to the game on Sunday night. And uh, Steph Curry did things that did not exist in the first All-Star game or in many All-Star games. I mean, what, he hit 16 threes? He, he was shooting from here. I mean, uh, it, it was crazy. He wasn't even watching the ball. Uh, and that's uh, that had to be fun to see in person, Denny. I mean, we all know what he can do, but when, when he goes full nuclear like that, even in a game where he's not being guarded, that, that is unlike anything in the sport. Well, what happened was guys were getting pissed off. He must have made like eight in a row in the third quarter. I mean, and, and as you mentioned, the three-point line was not a factor in where he released it from. And uh, there was, you know, there was one he shoots from the corner, and while the ball's in the air, he turns around, starts talking to the people in the fans. Here's the cheer, and goes, "Oh, I guess, I guess it went in." And then he runs back on defense, right? I mean, really playing up to the crowd. But after eight in a row, guys were like, "Going, dude, okay, I love you." But I'm guarding your ass from now on. And if you notice, it tightened up a little bit. So I think he missed his last five at the end. It was still 16 for 27. So he was like 16 for 21 or two at that point. I mean, I don't care who you're shooting it from. That's some some serious shooting. Uh, Yeah, if he had hit one more down the stretch, one, it would have ended the game uh, the way they were uh, playing it with the Elam ending. And LeBron hit that crazy fadeaway uh, to kind of fittingly end it in Cleveland. Uh, But two, he would have set the all-star single-game scoring record. I think it was Giannis uh, a couple years ago put up, uh, what was it, 51. So he needed one more one more three to do that, and it didn't drop. So LeBron was trying to get it for him for a few plays, and that said, enough of this. I'm going to go win the game. So that, that was kind of fun to watch on, uh, on Sunday win. night. Yeah, and uh, LeBron in Cleveland, and uh, we can get in all that uh, another time. I always uh, crack the door uh, yet again for maybe his third stint as a Cav to end his career at some point. But I'll tell you this, NBA is off now. NBA will be back in action on uh, Thursday, and as always, you can turn every Thursday into payday with NBA on TNT on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you want to bet on Steph Curry this Thursday with that, you can. The Warriors and Blazers are the nightcap. The Celtics and Nets are the first of the doubleheader on TNT this week. Doesn't matter if you win or lose. FanDuel giving all customers it's $10 back every Thursday in site credit. If you just bet $10 or more on a same-game parlay on any NBA on TNT game, it's the perfect way to turn a small bet into a big-time score. It's every Thursday, $10 back in site credit with TNT Thursdays. If you're new to FanDuel, just sign up with these promo codes, Danny Basketball, Danny or basketball to make every moment more this NBA season. Must be 21 and over and present in New York. Your bonus will be issued as a non-withdrawable site credit. Expires in a week. Max bonus 10 bucks. Restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? It's 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. Or give a text to HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. Well, we, we haven't talked about any of the orange men's basketball yet. Two big wins in the last three days. We'll hit that when we come back. Archie Clark, the founder of the NBA Retired Player, Association at 3.30. Mitch Jason Higgins kicking off our week here on a Tuesday. Uh, QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Shays and Higgins. 
Rolling along here, Shays and Higgins. Hope everybody enjoyed the long weekend. Wrapping up the All-Star festivities on uh, Sunday night. Danny was out there to help celebrate his dad being part of the NBA 75th anniversary team. So lots of cool events going on with that. And then uh, Danny kind of bookending the weekend, Saturday and yesterday. How about two more wins uh, for Syracuse basketball? Uh, easy as you please on Saturday against Boston College. Uh, whatever the opposite of that was uh, last night, I don't, I don't know how they won that game. Uh, Georgia Tech, worst team in the league. That game is uh, seesawing down the stretch. Somehow got into overtime. Uh, Barama Sidibe basically going iso ball to the basket is the biggest play of the game. I mean, that was uh, – I, I don't. You, you take any win any way you can at this point, and Syracuse pulled it out in probably about as different a way as humanly possible last night. Well, I think, you know, clearly Boston College game, as you and I talked earlier, uh, you know, they controlled the game beginning to end, which they needed, uh, you know, good win there. Georgia Tech, uh, I think the only way you can describe it is dodged a bullet. I mean, they, uh, you know, just like Wake Forest, had the ball, had possession with the lead, dribbled the you know, ball off Buddy's leg when it got knocked away, turned it over, gave him, what, four open, I would say open looks, but, but makeable looks at the rim the last 15 seconds. Couldn't mm-hmm. get a rebound, knock it out of bounds, or you know, jump ball, get possession, get it in for the game winner, and you just they got to walk away going, thank goodness, uh, you know, there was a lid on the rim that last 15 seconds because, like I said, they had that's that's a dodge the bullet win right there. But we it was a must win. But you know, we talked going into these last four, they had to get those two to even have a sniff, and uh, you know, they were able to get them both. Yeah, we talked about. I mean, it's eight games ago now. It started this stretch of the quote unquote easier games then you dump the first one of it to pittsburgh but now you won six out of seven and it sets up this last stretch which is and you couldn't have really predicted it at the beginning of the season outside of the duke and carolina part of it but it now sets up a stretch of you're playing the top four teams in the league uh to end the regular season so this is going to be a bear of a stretch uh coming up here uh, late in the game, it, I just couldn't believe uh, Danny that last play plays whatever you want to call it of overtime it's like, okay, Georgia Tech has the ball. They're down one. You don't really hold for one, but generally the hope is you get up a shot and maybe have time for a putback. So, you know, you're half looking at the clock, and you'd say, okay, the first shot goes up, and a rebound is the second shot. And then I look at the clock, I'm like, there's seven seconds left. A third shot, ball's out of bounds. I'm like, oh, my goodness, how, are there, how is there this much time left in the game? The game refused to end there in the last 15 seconds. Well, when you look at that whole last minute stretch, right? Georgia Tech has the ball and then gets a shot clock violation. They don't even get a shot off, right? And we thought, yep. oh, that was the end of the game right there. Cuse brings it up, Buddy gets trapped at half court, gets the ball slapped out and off his leg. You know, initially goes to us and then refs reviewed it, saw that it didn't bounce off the uh, G Tech player. So uh, we give it back to him again reminiscent of Wake, where we had the ball at the end with the lead and couldn't close out. Uh, this one, though, where you're right, it worked for us. You know, four misses to end it, and, uh, you know, definitely dodged a bullet game there. But uh, let's talk quickly the Barama Sidibe factor. You know, we talked about a guy mm-hmm. who was a veteran presence, even though he hadn't played in a while, right, Had was a starter for this team for two years, right? So, you know, clearly knows uh, the game, and... Uh, you know, made the great drive and under control, gathered himself, finished the layup to, to, you know, to give us that last lead. And then after he bonked coconuts a minute later, you know, turning around, I thought he was a European soccer player. Big dive on the floor, rolled it around, holding his head, you know. It, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, good for him. I mean, he rebounded well. 
you know, like I said, made the big hoop at the end. So, uh, you know, we, we needed a lot of a lot of stars to align to come up with that victory. It was uh, wild what Barama did. Andy did it all with four fouls. Like Frank Anselm had already fouled out. Uh, Franco's two points and ten rebounds. All of those boards came in the second half. Then Barama uh, does what he does. Here is Coach Beheim afterwards being asked about his <clears throat> starting center situation. We have two centers. They'll both play. Please. 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 Barama's... Fortunately, he can go about 15 minutes. We're happy to get that from him. <laughs> Don't play that game with me either. Coach, you Stars are the guys who I start. Whoever that is. Might be John Ball. That's who will be the starter. Uh, so Barama will not be starting the next game. That's what I. That's what I've uh, delved uh, from that one. <laughs> uh, Jim was. Uh, he was. Uh, he was in it last night in his post-game presser, so it was uh, always fun to hear him uh, fired up like that. But, uh, yeah, as good as Barama was last night, I, I don't think he has surpassed uh, Frank Anselm into the starting lineup, at least as of yet, because uh, the you generally look for your starter to be able to play more than 15 minutes in a game. Well, but, Brian, the other part of this, too, people get too wrapped up in the starter role mm-hmm. right there's a lot of valuable roles even more than the starter i remember there was a point in my career where i was coming off the bench felt that i was the better player and i went to the head coach no reason to name names but went to the head coach and, and asked him about it and he said well look i got to make sure everyone plays to get minutes would you rather be the starter or the finisher coach thanks for having me totally get it and so what i realized is the guy who finishes the game is the important guy not the guy who starts the game so that's the guy who you want in at the end to make the big play to be uh you know steady to you know to you know be able to play under pressure when you need it so so it's who finishes the game as a matter of fact a lot of teams have a role of they got a guy to start just to shorten the game for the guy they want to play at the end Right, so he mm-hmm. keep him out of foul trouble. Maybe you know, keep him from getting worn out. Uh, if it's a, like in the NBA, if you have an older guy who's your finisher, uh, shorten the game eight minutes a half. Right, so uh, so that starter role, like I said, it's a little overrated. I know people see that as that they think that's the best player, uh, but there's a lot of good reasons why you want to have uh, you know that sixth or seventh guy be a, a you know critical important role for you. And still in hindsight, after what we saw in overtime, uh, the last play of regulation should not have gone to Jimmy. It should have been a clear-out ISO for Barama, and we could have all saved ourselves about a half hour. He, he clearly would have blown past the guy and into the basketball game. I, I've never seen him do that before, but uh, now that that's a new wrinkle in the offense. A hundred percent, Jim's going to call that next game. Well, I think we might see the dream shake next game the way he's going. So, uh, but but uh, you know, like I said, he's he's a guy who was just, who started for two years for this team, right? And was a really effective player. So it's not like we should be surprised. I think the big uh, question was just would he have uh, you know enough you know physical strength to you know to play on that high level? And, and clearly, he's shown that you know for stretches, yeah, he can give you that. Which is again ironic that the one spot we have unlimited depth at is the five, when this is a team that's you know, always been a guard-centered uh, program. So, uh, you know, ironically, that yeah, we, we can go you know, four deep at the center spot. So, uh, shout-out to Barama. I mean, uh, with everything he's been through the last couple of years and the, the injury upon injury to his knees, uh, to be able to pull that out when needed uh, last night was uh, really, uh, really cool to watch because, he, yeah, he made the one big play on offense. He was making some really important plays on defense. He was all over the court on that uh, shot clock violation play Danny was talking about kind of on the uh, second-to-last 
play on defense uh, in the overtime. So a big one uh, last night for Barama. Right now, let's hit a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll get back to what we were talking about before the All-Star Weekend, the big celebration in Cleveland. The founder of the NBA Retired Players Association, he is Archie Clark. He will join us when we come back. It's Shazan Higgins here today on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> Is Shays and Higgins. Ryan Higgins, Danny Shays, talking hoops in the Qs on a Tuesday. Put a little bow on the weekend. Two more wins for the Orange, having won six and seven. But uh, right now we're going to go back to what Danny and I were kind of talking about uh, to begin the show, the great All-Star Weekend festivities in Cleveland this past weekend, the 75th anniversary team of the NBA, all in one place for the most part, and being honored on the court at halftime of the All-Star game. And for that, we bring on now Archie Clark. He's one of the founders of the NBA Retired Players Association. Archie, another one of the guys that started that with you is Syracuse's own uh, uh, Dave Bing. And uh, it, pretty cool what you guys have been able to do for uh, the players you played with over the years and it, leading up to a moment this weekend where you, you had so many of you guys back together in one place. Uh, yes, it, it was wonderful to see most of the guys that you've you know, played with. It was a good uh, event. And, of course, I'm happy to be able to continue to be there with a lot of the guys, on, especially in All-Star uh, Weekend. Hey, Archie, how you doing? And uh, Danny here. And, you know, for those of you, you got to look Archie up. One of the all-time great guys, two-time All-Star. Uh, but not only that, has made a huge impact on the game. I mean, the... Uh, starting the Retired Players Association, and we'll let him talk in a minute about all the good he's done for players over the years on top of being a great player himself. But really the highlight of the weekend, of All-Star Weekend, is the Legends Brunch. And that is where, uh, although this year uh, converted to the Legends Awards, and this is when all the retired players get together, honor some of the past greats uh, for community service, for uh, you know other Legend Awards, and uh, you know, really all started with a group of influential players, like I said, including uh, Dave Bing, uh, Oscar Robertson, Dave Cowens, uh, you know, guys who uh, you know not were just great all-star players, but also great guys to give back to both the community and to their brethren, the you know, the, their teammates. So, Archie, when the, tell me about how, what it was like at the beginning when that when the Retired Players Association was being formed. Well, Danny, um, initially. Um, I I thought that the retired players should uh, be able to be part of the the Active Players Association, and uh, I went to Larry Flasher, who was the uh, executive director at that particular time, and asked if we, as retired players, could be part of the, the uh, Players Association. He told me that the bylaws would not allow it, and so. Um, I, I end up um, going to a uh, convention, and it was a Democratic uh, convention, uh, state convention, and I saw the UAW retirees and how influential they were in terms of their com their collective bargaining with the the auto industry. And that gave me an idea that, well, wait a minute, maybe we should have a retired players association. 
So I went back to Larry and 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 said to him, what about a retired players association? He said, well, Archie, I'll help you with that. He said, I think that All-Star Saturday, uh, the revenue from All-Star Saturday could help uh, fund that type of organization. He said, David Stearns, and he uh, had a good relationship and that he would approach David Stearns with that particular idea. Uh, after he approached David uh, Stearns with that idea, he came back to, uh, to me and said, Archie, uh, David Stearns uh, doesn't want to do that. And so I got with Oscar and Dave Bing, and I asked uh, Larry, would he set up a meeting for us? And he did. So we went and met with David Stern. And David said, no, he's not going to do that. What he's going to do is that those proceeds are going to go to a, a Legends Foundation that uh, would be targeted to help retired players. And that he thought Oscar, David, uh, Bing, and myself, why don't we be on that board to help administer those funds? And so we did. And then uh, Larry Fleischer passed away. And Charlie Grantham became the executive director. So I approached uh, I approached Charlie Grantham with that same question: Why couldn't we be part of the, the Players Association? Well, he didn't answer that question, but he also knew that we were trying to start a retired players association. And he said to me, he said he would help us with that. He had a, a friend who was a, an attorney at, at Ropes and Gray, and that he would. Uh, asked him if he could help us form the organizations. And so, but he said, Archie, the three of you guys, you guys got to get some white players involved. Uh, Oscar went and talked to Dave Collins. Dave Bing went and talked to Dave DeBusha. Well, coming from my background, I didn't have any rapport with any of the white players at that particular time. So as a result, the five of us got together as opposed to possibly six could have gotten together. And the five of us in 1992 put up $1,000 each and gave it to uh, Dennis Coleman, who was the attorney, and uh, to finance the start of the Retired Players Association. That's how we started. It's amazing because over the years, you know, a lot of young fans think that the NBA was paying a hundred million dollars from the beginning, right? They don't realize that the early players paid played for peanuts. Really, didn't even make enough uh, to have long careers because when when they got married and had kids, uh, the salaries didn't cover. You know, your generation, even through the you know the eighties, that it was you know still just you know enough to get along money, but not you know what they see today. And so the work you've done for the former players and uh, everything from pension benefits to health insurance to uh, you know just other kinds of support uh, especially you know we talked about the health side you know has been invaluable to these guys and you know it's also made a huge connection here with the public well our initial uh, thought at, um, was that the, the organization which would, would uh, help some of the former players at that particular time who didn't have any pension benefit. And at the same time, we also thought that uh, we could raise enough money if all the retired players who had, you know, commercial value, we could put together 
the organization that could command a certain amount of money in the marketplace, and we could finance the health care program. That that did not pan out. But I uh, have to say that uh, David Stern, along with the, the PA, uh, they put together a health care program for us, a fantastic health program uh, that they finance for, for retired players. So we're very grateful for that. And I, Adam Silver said that if not for the Retired Players uh, Association, uh, we we probably not have a health care program for retired players at this time. Exactly. A lot of fans maybe will remember, you know, how the NFL has handled it. They've had so many lawsuits over health care, concussions, et cetera. You know, the NBA, you know, a lot of it has to do with your leadership. Uh, you know, obviously, Dave Bing, who's familiar here, and, and Oscar, all five of you. Uh, of course, Dave Bush unfortunately, passed a few you know, years ago. Uh, but, you know, to have that type of influence uh, has been huge. Now, uh, from the social side, right, at NBA All-Star Weekend, we started uh, with just a small association meeting years ago, and it's grown to one of the real highlights. You know, what used to be the Legends Brunch, of course, with COVID this year, it was they had an award ceremony. Uh, how gratifying is it for you to see that in action now? Well, I'm I'm totally gratified, uh, uh, Danny. Actually, the uh, Legends Brunch was started by uh, Mel Davis. Uh, we started the Legends Brunch. And um, David Stern, uh, uh, he saw the importance of that type of event, and it has really expanded. Of course, we we started in a small ballroom, but now it's at a convention center, and it's like one of the highlights of the weekend. And uh, it was started by, like I said, one of our former players, who at that time, Mel Davis, was was our CEO of our organization. And uh, David saw that uh, a brunch like that, getting some of their sponsors uh, and their their kids to come to an event like that was was very valuable for the NBA itself. So um, we're thrilled that it has expanded to what it is today. And uh, I like to say that Mel Davis, one of our retired players, is responsible for that. Archie, before we uh, so, Archie, let, let you go here today, I, I, I got I to ask you this. An event this past weekend, we have so many of the greats. And, you know, these are guys you played against, guys you've known for years. Who, who still uh, gets you excited, Archie, when you get to see these guys at, at this time? I, I know it's fun when guys of different generations in the league can get to get events like this. Uh, well, there's several. You know, I was a point guard and a quarterback in my mind. And, uh, the guy who really uh, epitomizes the, the, the quarterback that I saw in myself is, is, is Chris Paul. Um, not only does he understand how to run a team and make sure that, that production is, is, is for the entire team, he also can score. And I was of that, that ilk, I'll put it like that. I was uh, first and foremost a quarterback in my mind but I could score. And uh, even when I negotiated uh, with the owners and the general managers, I used to say to, to them, what was what's the value of a quarterback in football? I always felt that that was the same value that a point guard or a good quarterback 
should have in basketball. It seems to be realized at this time in this era. But back in the early days, uh, the big men who was responsible for rebounding and defense inside, they were the ones that was commanding the most uh, as far as the NBA itself thought. I did not agree with that, but that was the way it was. It has it's changed today, and I, 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 watch, I watch all the players, of course, and I see now that a lot of the big guys have some of the skills that they didn't have during my era. At the time, during my era, most of the time, the skilled players were primarily the guards and the, and the small forwards. Now, all the big men now are a lot more skilled, and I'm thrilled to see that. Archie, that's that's great stuff. So Archie, it's uh, interesting because when you look at oh, – yeah. Well, last thing, Brian, when when you look at the the things that you take for granted today, right? Like the, a lot of them came out of the ABA, the three-point line, the dunk contest. But you look at, uh, a lot of people don't know, Archie really popularized the crossover dribble. You know, back then it was uh, it was pretty revolutionary the way you, you know, were able to change direction and explode. You were the original shake and bake guy. And, uh, uh, you know, so now again, something as, as common as that, uh, you know, people forget that there was a first and... And you, you were that guy, a real pioneer in your time. Uh, yes, Danny, I thank you for for uh, uh, remembering that or acknowledging that. Not only that, the step back. I was one of the first that probably did the step back. So the shake, the crossover, and the step back, I can take credit for that. No question about it. If you look at the films back during that time, yes, I was one of the first that ever did the step back. Of course, I did the crossover, and yes, I I weaponized the crossover. No question about that. It was my ability to change direction. I was strong going to my right, and most of the guys didn't want me to continue to go right because I could take them right to the basket. So as a result, they overplayed me to the right. Then I would cross over and get into the lane. And when I got into the lane, a lot of the big guys were there trying to wait for me. And if I didn't see an opening to get all the way to the basket, then I would fake and I would step back and shoot my jumper. And it was difficult for them to dock, to to, uh, to adjust to that and block my shot. I, I love that, Archie. You weaponized it. I love the way you describe it. That that really brings it to, to life there. And uh, thanks so much for the history lesson of uh, how far it's come here in the league today. Uh, we really appreciate it for a few minutes. Well, thanks for having me, Danny. It's a pleasure seeing you, of course, uh, as you were one of our board members, uh, and you helped move the, the organization forward, Danny. So I appreciate you. I want you to know that. Awesome. Thanks, Archie. That is Archie Clark. Uh, really appreciate him coming on here for a few minutes today. We'll come back and wrap the hour after this at Shays and Higgins on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Shays and Higgins. We're out of the hour here, starting the week on Shays and Higgins. Brian and Danny with you. Right now, FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's up to $1,000. But on any game, and FanDuel will refund you up to one grand if you don't win your first bet. No strings attached. Any bet you want, if you win, you keep the money. If you lose, you get your entire bet up to $1,000 back in site credit. If you've never tried FanDuel Sportsbook, what are you waiting for? Download the app to get started. Be sure to sign up with either the promo code Danny 
or the promo code basketball. That way, you'll know that we sent you. It's FanDuel Sportsbook. Promo codes are Danny or basketball must be 21 and over and present in New York. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as a non-withdrawable site. Credit expires a week. Restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? It's one eight seven seven eight hope ny in New York and Danley last few seconds here win last night and man it's not getting any easier on the road at Notre Dame here tomorrow well but we're still in it right I mean uh, early in the year we were wondering if we were going to make it this far and you know even have a I got four tough games hey Carolina's been up and down Cuse is playing well you know Buddy and Joe get hot at the right time you know they get a game or two and they're right mm-hmm. in the thick of things and then you got the tournament right to, to make a little extra you know impression there so so let's uh let's uh fingers crossed for a good week and say hi to uh smoky yeah, there goes yeah there goes smoky the cat in the in the background we'll be back uh, at it tomorrow <laughs> to get you ready for cuse and notre dame on the block is coming up next year on espn radio